there, but she was really going to town on that fast song, huh? And if we could get Wes to preach that fast, we could get things done here. I don't know what... I got a few announcements I want to share with you. First, if you're visiting, uh, we're happy that you're here. I want you to come back in and every opportunity that you have, and you certainly have a place here at the church in Savannah. Uh, Robert Davis uh, asked me to announce that his first cousin, Greg Davis, has had some back surgery. Uh, he's home recuperating, I understand doing okay, but would like an interest in our prayers. Also, Cherie Chafin, a friend of Bobby and Gloria Benson's, I announced this morning was, would be having bypass surgery. She's had that today and uh, is doing good at this time, and let's continue to remember her. Walker Fletcher uh, is sick in Kingsport. That's Larry Fletcher, Fletcher's brother, and uh, we, he's asked that we pray for him also. Jeff Selby passed away. We're sorry to announce, and uh, the funeral arrangements for him will be uh, at Hopewell, and the visitation will be Monday from 5 to 8 at Hopewell, and then the funeral Tuesday uh, with visitation from 9 until 11, and then uh, the funeral at 11. Also, Bill Beckham, uh, that's the brother-in-law of Miss Betty, uh, we'll have graveside services passed away. We'll have graveside services Tuesday at the Lute Cemetery, and that will be at 3 o'clock. Don't forget our uh, summer series this Wednesday night with Ralph Gilmore. We always look forward to hearing Ralph. He does a good job, and I uh, hope that we'll have a good crowd for that. Uh, if we're looking a little sparse tonight, our kids have gone to Sotillo. They began their summer series, and we'll be hosting that one Sunday night. Uh, and, and just keep that in mind. Uh, the rest of the announcements will be listed, I guess, as good news. Uh, and if you have a birthday, let me know. We're a family here. I, you know, we need to know what's going on with folks. But uh, found out a while ago it's Meredith Harden's birthday today. So happy birthday to Meredith. Also, Miss Audrey Bowling will be 93 tomorrow. It uh, be, be good to send her a card. And then my mom and Larson's birthday are today as well. Uh, Andy and Callie Jean, the Jean family, are populating the world. We're, Andy and Callie had their little girl Wednesday, Tatum Holloway, and then uh, Ryan and Andrea Miller will be having a little boy. It's just weird to me that Hank is going to be here Wednesday. Uh, I told him, uh, Emily a while ago, we used to just have two names ready. Now they know what it is and what the name is and everything. So, But we look forward to Hank coming into the world and know Donnie and Sheila are very excited. This time I ask you to get a songbook and we'll join into our worship service. Good evening. Our first song this evening will be number 166, He's My King. Following this song, we'll be led in prayer. All day long of Jesus I am singing, He my song of joy will ever be. All the while He keeps my heart bells ringing, for His love is everything to me. He's my King, and oh, I dearly love Him. He's my King, no other is above Him. All day long in raptured praise I sing. He's my Savior, He's my King. Streams of love around my soul are flowing. From His heart, love's everlasting spring. That is why my faith in Him I'm showing. That is why 
and endless song I sing. He's my king, and oh, I dearly love him. He's my king, no other is above him. All day long, in raptured praise I sing. He's my savior, he's my king. In his light, I'm going on to glory. With the souls who trust his saving grace, going home to sing and tell his story. In the blessed sunshine of his face, he's my king, and oh, I dearly love him. He's my king, no other is above him. All day long, in raptured praise I sing. My Savior, He's my King. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you thanking you for this beautiful day especially this country we live in, the many blessings and the freedoms we have. We always want to thank you and praise our name. We, want, we ask you to be with those that's lost loved ones. We have many in the congregation. We ask you to comfort them, only as you know how. We ask you to be with our leaders, state, federal, and throughout the world that preaches the word that will go by what you teach. We ask you to be with our men and women that serve. We have so many, especially from this area. We ask you to be with them and their loved ones, that you will watch over them, that they may return. We again ask you and thank you for the many blessings that you've shown upon us, especially here at this church. We always want to praise your name and do as best as we can. And we always ask these blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Before the sermon, we'll sing number 875, Home of the Soul. If it's convenient for you, won't you stand as we sing the song? For the prize we have striven, after our labors are o'er, rest to our souls will be given on the eternal shore. Home of the soul, beautiful home, there we shall rest, never to roam, free from all care, happy and bright. Jesus is there, he is the light. Often the storm, lonely are we, sighing for home, longing for thee, beautiful home of the ransom beside the crystal sea. 
Yes, a sweet rest is remaining for the true children of God, where there will be no complaining, never a chastening rod. Home of the soul, beautiful home, there we shall rest, never to roam, free from all care, happy and bright. Jesus is there, he is the light, often the storm, lonely are we, sighing for home, longing for thee, beautiful home of the ransom beside the crystal sea. Soon the bright homeland adorning, we shall behold the glad dawn. Lean on the Lord till the morning, till the night is gone. Home of the soul, beautiful home, there we shall rest, never to roam. Free from all care, happy and bright. Jesus is there, He is the light, often the storm, lonely are we, sighing for home, longing for Thee, beautiful home of the ransom beside the crystal sea. Please be seated. If you have your Bibles with you, would you open them up to Luke chapter 16? Luke chapter 16 is where our text is going to begin from tonight. It's good to see everybody that's with us tonight. I know that we have a, a good number of our young people that Dustin has taken down for the Summer Youth Series in Saltillo. And uh, we'll miss them tonight and we'll get to reap the benefits of that here in a, a few weeks whenever the, all the young people in there are with us here in Savannah. So we... Uh, we will miss them. Isn't it a good feeling when you're tired? But you're tired because you've been busy doing the Lord's work. You're tired because you've been serving God all week long. I know a lot of you are tired this week. And, but but that's, that's a great thing. When you can look back and say, well, I know why I'm tired. Because we've been busy. Uh, we've been doing a lot of stuff. We've been touching uh, the lives of young people. Uh, we've been helping people. We've been doing a lot of great things. And uh, let me just tell you, your preacher's a little bit tired tonight. And uh, I'm going to do my best not to drag this out to the end, to the end of, the, of the hour here. But uh, I know better to make promises like that because I, <laughs> I have trouble keeping them. But I want us to pick up with a parable tonight that's really, on the surface, appears to be a really strange parable. A parable that sometimes we call the parable of the shrewd manager. Some of your Bibles, my Bible says, the parable of the unrighteous steward. Uh, but but let's, just, let's just read what Jesus says here in Luke chapter 16. The Bible says, Jesus says, There was a certain rich man who had a steward, and his steward was reported, was reported to him as, a, as squandering his possessions. And he called him and he said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account for your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. And the steward said to himself, Well, well what shall I do, uh, since my master is taking the stewardship away from me? 
I'm not strong enough to dig, and, and I'm, I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I shall do. So, so that when I'm removed from the stewardship, they will receive me into their homes. And he summoned each one of his master's debtors, and he began to say to the first, How much do, do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. He said to another, How much do you owe? He said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. And his master praised the unrighteous steward because he had acted shrewdly. For the sons of this age are, are, are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light. So I say to you, make friends for yourselves by means of the mammon or the riches of unrighteousness, that when it fails they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. For he who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous mammon or riches, who will entrust the true riches to you? And if you have not been faithful in the use of, what is, of, of, of that which is another's, well then who will give you that which is your own? For no servant can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the, and love, and love the other, or else he will hold to one and despise the other. For you cannot serve God and mammon. And on the surface, when we read this parable, it, it almost seems as if this unrighteous steward is being praised for being unrighteous. As if the thing which he did which was not righteous, even Jesus himself says that this man is unrighteous in verse 8. He doesn't try to hide that. And I want us to understand that what Jesus is doing here is not, is not praising the fact that he went behind his master's back, but he's pointing out to us the wisdom, or at least the, the understanding that this man had to use the things which were available to him, to use the power which had been, which had been made available to him, not necessarily the way he did it, but to, but to praise him for actually doing something for trying to prepare himself for a day when he would not have those things. Probably uh, several commentators said one of the most difficult parables to interpret in all the Bible. But I think that the difficulty comes whenever we overanalyze it. Instead of simply understanding that Jesus is saying, use the things that I've given you. Understand that riches, unrighteous riches, are very little things. So that God wants us to use them so that one day we can take hold of things which are truly important. I, I thought about what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19, maybe a little bit more familiar to us. But when Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. And as Jesus says this, I want us to think about exactly what he's saying about our things. He says that we shouldn't store them up in this world. Why? Not because they're bad, not because they're evil, but because they're temporary. Because they won't last. Because whether you want to talk about money or things or places or possessions, they won't last. Moth and, moth and rust destroy them. Thieves break in and steal. There's a passage in Proverbs 23 and verse 5 
where, where the Bible says about, about our treasures, when you set your eyes on it, it is gone. For wealth certainly makes itself wings, like an eagle that flies towards the heavens. And the next time that we are dealing with those prized possessions, and we all have them, don't we? We all have those things that we would like to have, those things maybe that we do have. Maybe it would do us well to make ourselves aware of the very temporary nature of those things that we spend so much of our time and energy devoted to. It's not just that wealth might be lost. It's not just that it could be lost. Wealth will be lost. There's going to come a day when everything that we have will be worthless because all physical things are going to be worthless. And intellectually, there's probably not anyone in this room that doesn't understand that. But what I, what I think the reason that we see this over and over and over in the Scriptures is to help us emotionally begin to accept this, to help us actually reflect this in our lives, even when we have a lot of things. You know, I read, I read somewhere several years ago, someone made the statement that we need, to, we need to start thinking about our possessions as if they were Confederate money. We went down to Shiloh here a couple months ago, and, and they, had, they had some of this Confederate money. They're, they're replicas. My son's really excited about these things. But it, I mean, it looks like Monopoly money, right? But apparently, 150 years ago, this was just like your dollar bills. You, you could take these things and you could go down... You could go down to the general store and you could actually buy some things. You could buy goods. You could be a man of, of great wealth. And now, what are they? They're just worthless little trinkets and they put them on the shelf and I think I paid 50 cents for these. They, they, they really don't have any value at all. Do we think of our money like that? The story was told of, a, of an individual who, who lived in the South during the Civil War. He was from the North. Uh, he was a citizen of the United States. But, but he had gone down to the South and done business there and had actually made quite a bit of money. Had made a small fortune in that place. But all of his money was in Confederate money. And it came to his attention that the South was going to lose the war. I mean, it, it was inevitable. That within a few months... This country that he was living in, that all of his money was a part of, was going to be no more. And one day, that this money was going to become worthless. And the question becomes that he had an opportunity to send some of it back to the north, change it in for dollar bills, for what we call the greenbacks that we have, right? What do you think he did? What would have been the wise thing to do? Well, of course, the wise thing would have been to have sent as much of it on ahead as he possibly could, right? To only keep what he needed to live on, but to send as much ahead as he could. Well, Jesus tells us in much the same way that we ought to send our treasures on ahead. Do not, do not lay up for ourselves treasures where moth and rust destroy, but rather, but rather we must send them on ahead. We must lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Uh, the idea that you can't take it with you. Well, there's a little bit of truth in that. In a physical way, you can't take it with you. But Jesus says, in, in a spiritual sense, you can take it with you. 
You can lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven above. We talked about that in 1 Timothy chapter 6 as he talks about how, how through our good deeds and being generous and being ready to share, what we're in fact doing is laying up for ourselves treasures. So are we, are we those who are wise with the things that God has given us? Do we, do we take those things which are very small and insignificant and make preparations for a day, make preparations for a day when we will stand before God. It comes down, as he says here in Luke 16, to really what the master or the ruler of our life is. There are lots of ways that we do that. We, 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 put, we store treasures up when we sacrifice, when we send things and give things to God. He says there in Luke 12 and verse 33, Sell your possessions and give and give to charity. Make yourselves purses which do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no one comes near, nor moth nor rust destroys. That's the challenge that He gives to us. Send those things on ahead. Use the things that God has given us today to make preparation for a day that is to come. To not be a person who gives trinkets to God, but to be a person that, that honors God with our, with, with, with our possessions. That we use our possessions. This is, doesn't just have to do with the cash that we have. This has to do with, with the possessions that we have. Let, let me ask you a question. For, for most of us in this room, probably the, the most valuable asset that you have... Some of you may have some bank accounts or retirement accounts that, that may be larger than this. But, 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 but on the whole, most of us, the most valuable possession that we have, what, what is it? What is it? It's our home, right? The banker who holds all of our notes knows it's, it's, it's our home. It, it's that house that we live in. And so here's the question I want to ask. How are we using our most valuable possession for God? I think that's a pretty penetrating question, especially in, in light of everything that, that we see throughout the Scriptures about being a hospitable people. Hospitality is, is a mark of righteousness, right? I mean, that, that, that's fair to say. We spend a lot of time talking about what hospitality is not. What is hospitality? If it is not using our home, if we're not using that greatest possession that we have to in some way foster fellowship, to foster study of God's Word, to bring glory and honor to God? I think it's a good question and that every family needs to answer those things as we begin to honor God with, with our worship. As we come together on the first day of the week, we've talked before about honoring God and beginning with the tenth. Uh, so thankful for, all, for the generosity that, that, that's present within this congregation and so many other congregations. But I want us to understand that biblically, that, that's the least that we'll ever see biblical support for is, is that tenth. And some people don't like that, but that's, what the, that, that's all I see in the Bible. But that's not the end all. That's not the pinnacle of our generous, generousness before God. That's just the beginning. That's just like we're driving around with our training wheels on, doing the bare minimum. Uh, God says, you, you've robbed me in what? In tithes and in offerings. And that's why that great challenge for us to go beyond the tithe. Why? Go beyond the tithe. We have sure we're getting to the tithe. Why go beyond it? Well, because in doing so, I'm acknowledging there are things beyond this life. 
There are things beyond this moment, and I'm preparing for that day when I'm going to have to give an account. I'm preparing for that day when I'm going to have to go and stand before that master. And I want him to see that I've done well with the possessions that he's given to me. To be, a, to be an individual who helps the poor. There are so many people, not just in foreign lands, but even in our own communities, who are struggling. Struggling with some of the most basic necessities of life. And there may be many things that we answer for in the judgment day, but one thing that we're going to give an answer for is, how have you treated those people? How have you used what you have been given to help those people? And I know we may give a lot of different answers to that, but it's still a question we're going to have to answer. Jesus said, as He talked about the judgment in Matthew 25, I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Why has God blessed us? Well, I believe that He's blessed us for more reasons than simply to bless ourselves, but maybe so that we can be a blessing to other people, so that we can help other people, maybe even with very, things that would be insignificant to us, but that we would realize would make a, a, a great impact in someone else's life. We lay up treasures for ourselves in heaven above when, whenever we support preaching. Uh, Paul talked about his missionary work that he was doing and the, and the role that the church at Philippi had in that. And he talked about their financial contribution. Uh, we have a missions committee that gives a lot of money to help preachers go and preach the Word all over this world. And Paul talks about some of those things. And he says, it's not that I seek the gift for itself. This is where he talks about being content with and content without. But I seek for the profit which increases to your account. What is he saying there? That when we take part in those things, that in some way we're laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven. We're acknowledging, like we did this morning, that there are some of those things that are more important than me and my wants and my desires and those things that I would like to have. And so we strive to acknowledge those things as we lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. You know, so, so many ways that we could think about, but I just want you to think about this as we think about how we're using the things that God has put into our control to prepare for the day when we'll stand before Him. And what they will say about our life and our responsibility and whether or not we are prepared and whether or not we are uh, what He desires for us to be. To look for ways to further God's interests in this world. See, it's a very broad idea that we have there. But in some way or another, the world that we live in, what role are we playing? in God's interests that present themselves in many, many ways. You know, there's a passage that, that has struck home in, in my mind in James chapter 5 when he, talks about, when he talks about those who would not send that treasure on. When he would talk about that man who, who, knew, that, who knew that the end of the war was coming, but yet, but yet he held on to all, of his, to all of his confederate money. And one day, it became worthless. And one day, that very rich man, by the nature of a change in his circumstances, became a very poor man. He still had the hundreds and the fifties and the twenties, but now they weren't worth anything. Well, the same can be said of those who would hold on to our earthly possessions, who would fail to be rich towards God and the things that He has blessed us with. The passage in James chapter 5 and verse 3, or beginning with verse 1, James says, "'Come now.'" Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your, for your miseries which are coming upon you. 
Your riches have rotted and your garments have become moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver have rusted, and their rust will be a witness against you and will consume your flesh like fire. For it is in the last days that you have stored up, that you have stored up your treasure. Behold, the pay of the laborers who mold your fields, which has been withheld by you, cries out against you. And the outcry of those who did the harvesting has reached the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. And you have lived luxuriously on the earth and led a life of wanton pleasure. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. What is he saying? He's, he's giving a warning through the mistakes of others to not be a people that focus solely upon ourselves in a world that is coming to an end, in a world that is existing in the last days of its creation. Do we focus upon the fact that one day we are going to go and we are going to stand before our Lord? Will we, will we be wise or will we be unwise? See, I don't always know the answer to that question. If I could be honest with you, I've struggled with it in my own mind. I've struggled with, with how I've applied these things and how I've used the things and the possessions and the material things that God has given to me. But maybe... If we would all struggle with these things, we would all grow from that struggle. And we would prepare ourselves as we send treasure on to that place above. You know, really, this life is about one thing. It's about being prepared for when we will go and stand before our Lord. And there are so many things in our life, it's almost overwhelming at times. There are so many things in our life that will reflect upon that, upon that day of judgment. But none of those things can we go without giving attention to? And so if there's something tonight that keeps you from being ready to stand before the Lord, whether it's something small or something big, whether it's something that you're indifferent to or something that is very personal to you, can we deal with those things? Can we understand that God's desire is to save you from those things? That's why Jesus died. That's why the invitation is extended. That's why the warnings are given throughout the Word of God. So that we will have an opportunity to be warned. So that we will have an opportunity to be ready. Friends, if you're not right with the Lord Jesus Christ tonight, won't you make your life right? If you've never been born again and buried again in those waters of baptism, won't you do that tonight? If sin is ruling in your life, won't you repent tonight and be forgiven? So that one day, when our Lord returns we will stand before Him and be able to hear those, those wonderful words, well done, good and faithful servant. The invitation is for you tonight. Come as we stand and as we sing. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, Precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my pardon, this I see, nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my cleansing, this my plea, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious.
Jesus is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can for sin atone, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not of good that I have done, but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Are there any other announcements that need to be made before we are dismissed? If you have not had the opportunity to partake of the Lord's Supper, it has been left prepared for you. If you will exit the auditorium to my right, uh, you will be served. I'd like to remind you again at 7 o'clock on on, uh, Wednesday that we will be continuing with our summer series with uh, Brother Ralph Gilmore. Our closing song this evening will be number 97. Number 97, there it is. I sing praises. Following the singing of this song, we'll be dismissed in prayer. I sing praises to your name, O Lord, praises to your name, O Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be praised. I sing praises to your name, O Lord, praises to your name, O And greatly to be praised. I give glory to your name. O Lord, glory to your name. O Lord, for your name is great. And greatly to be praised. I give glory to your name. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day that you've given us. Thank you for letting us be able to assemble here and worship your, your word without being discriminated. Lord, we ask you to be with you when they need you tonight, Lord. We ask you to, God, go and direct us throughout this day, throughout this week, and throughout our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.